Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. It was really a struggle for me. And, you know, it's something I think I'm still working on, although I've come a much further along that path of not getting stuck on what am I supposed to be doing right now? Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. Today's personal spot is about the kind of how workaholic is a bad word. Okay. I've thought about this a lot. I have tried to find this thing they call balance, 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 balance. They all, they tell all of us workaholics driven founders, you need balance. You need to make sure to have balance. But what is balance really? Balance is not my drive because the thing is, it is thrilling to be excited about what you do. Um, It's just, it's the biggest gift. It's a drug, it's a fuel. So what does balance mean to, to step away from what is thrilling? No, I think I've been in situations where I feel lost and I don't know what to do with my career and it's the worst feeling ever. I much rather feel this like workaholic thrilled energy than feel that lost, confused, perplexed, like crazy making energy. And so I think what balance is to me, and I don't think even that word balance really jives for me, but I just think it's prioritizing self-love because I'm not a good leader when I'm burnt out, right? My team is like, okay, we'll wait for you. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait for me. (laughs) Like everybody needs to wait for me, including myself when I'm just run down, burnt out and a zombie. And so it's about putting into practice a self-love routine, whether that's meditation in the morning and fitness and it's getting ready for bed at night or something and just like breathing throughout the day, just things to know that I'm a fueled, energized person and I'm not running myself ragged. So I think the word balance for us driven people doesn't mean we have to stop being a workaholic. It just means are we fueling ourselves to maintain our energy? Even On my team call today, we were talking about podcast episodes and I quickly said, okay, I'll do 10 right away. He's like, calm down with that. You don't need to do 10. One is fine. You have a lot going on this month. Just do one each week. And I think it's it it was a great reminder to have perspective, to not try to conquer the world in the next five minutes, but just be consistent, be slow, be intentional and be productive. Anyway, enjoy the next episode. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Karen, coming at us from Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. 
I am so excited to have you here. You're such a community champion. You're such a lovely person. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I have an interesting blend because I'm like old tech and new tech. I'm a knitter, crocheter, spinner, weaver, sewer. And then I also work on websites. And those two things are totally related. And my path from my path into tech came because of the the fiber arts. So and people who would like to cyberstalk you getting into it, where's the best place to find you? Uh, Facebook is the only place that I'm really active on social, Karen Slong White Green. I do have an Instagram for our app, which is Inkle Designer 123. Inkle is I N K L E. I assume we'll talk a little bit about that later. Those are probably the two places to find us. And then our website, greenlandcreative.com. I also have inkledesigner123.com if people want to check out the app. Let's jump right in and talk about Ankle Designer. Tell us more. Sure. So Inkle is a very specific niche part of weaving. It is woven bands that are anywhere from like a shoelace to a guitar strap in width. And so our app is to design the patterns, and then to keep track while you're weaving them. So very niche. And when did you get involved in that? I taught myself to knit when I was 18 years old, taught myself out of a book. But I didn't learn to crochet until 2013. And in 2014, I learned to spin and to weave. And then when I started weaving, I went to a local guild. And that's when I found out about Inkle weaving. I didn't know anything about Inkle before. So that's how I started with weaving. So you have this like balance of a a really healthy, robust offline life and online life. What does your online life look like? I started building a website. The first one was my personal blog, 2013, which was really just put WordPress on it, pick a theme and just start weaving uh, and just start writing. Um, And then in 2018, the State Weaving Guild, they said, we need to redo our website. And their website looked like something out of 1998. So you really couldn't. You couldn't help but improve that. Right. And I was like, oh, I can do that. How little, how much I didn't know that I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) And so I did what I knew, which was to put WordPress on it, put a theme on it and start like creating some content. But they really needed so much more than that. And that's what has driven me for the last two years to learn more and more about WordPress and websites and how they go together and in order to make that site functional. And now it's a it's a membership site. I've, I've built registration for events. We have used third-party software for some of that, but I did for our virtual event in in 2021 build registration on the website. So I've come a long way and it's all because it all started with the low tech that brought me into the higher tech. And how did you learn in the beginning? Because I imagine it was pretty daunting. So how did you keep going on those moments where you felt like you wanted to pull your hair out? (laughs) Well, see, one of the things I very much love about WordPress is what a great community that it is. There's so much great information. And one of my superpowers is learning. I'm, I'm very good at figuring out how things work. And so I spent several months, like three or four months, just sort of going in a circle, trying to figure out what is it do I, do I even need to know? 
Like, what are all the pieces that go into a website? What are all the options for those pieces? I started going to two local WordPress meetups. Mm. Plus, I found a bunch of resources online. Just from meetup.com? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how I found them in the first place. Um, it's one of the things I really love about the Word, WordPress world is there's so many local meetups all over the world. And, and during the pandemic, many of them have gone online. So even if you don't have a local group to you, um, you can join them online. And many of them have been recording their sessions and you can find them on YouTube and stuff. So the WordPress community to me is amazing, and it's really how I have learned. And why did you decide to stick with WordPress rather than go with a web builder like Squarespace or several of the other ones that exist nowadays? Um, WordPress still takes a bit of really technical know-how. So for you as a website builder, why not save the time with the <laughs> the, the, the easy-to-use tools and still do the harder ones? Well, when I did my blog back in 2013 is when I started that, and I had put WordPress on it because I was just looking for a blog, right? And that was a really popular tool for that. And so I was somewhat familiar with it, but obviously I had a lot to learn. I also, I have a strong bias to or, to owning my platforms and in any context that I'm working in. And so all of the WordPress that I've done is self-hosted WordPress. I'm not doing any of the SaaS. Um, that's a big part of it. I like to be able to own my platform. And I like the flexibility that you have. People ask me, can we do this on this website? And my answer is always yes. It's a question of how much time will it take and how much money will it take? I might not know how to do it, but I know that that's the answer. And that's less true when you use some of the other platforms. You're more locked into how they do things. I think talking about owning your owning what you build is really important and something that may get missed. And when Karen talks about having a self-hosted WordPress, there's two types of WordPress. There's WordPress.com, which is kind of like a web builder, like WordPress sort of owns the background. And then there's WordPress.org where you own it and you host it. I'm not uh, an engineer, so I, I can't get into the super technical terms, but essentially there's two types of ways. And there's a lot of w web builders out today. Like I was mentioning, Squarespace is a really popular one. And even in the podcasting world, there's a lot of podcast hosts. You really want to make sure that whoever you're building on, you do own your content. I think a lot of new podcasters don't know that who they're hosting with, that host may end up owning their intellectual property. So that's what Karen is talking about with a website is when she self-hosts using WordPress.org, she is owning the content of and owning the entirety of the website. Do I have it right? Pretty much. I'll also say the other thing I like about WordPress, even if you are going to go with the WordPress.com and let them do the hosting, is they have it, – it's it's an open platform. It's all intended to be shared, plugins and all kinds of things. Like the code is open and you can make changes to it. it it's And that's not true on other platforms. So that's another thing that I mean when I say that it's flexible. They're very dedicated to open web and – um, that's how WordPress developed. And, you know, these other ecosystems, it's true, they probably are easier for people who have less of a tech background, but you, you're very locked in when you use them. And how do you continue to improve your skills? Are you still in the same meetup groups or where do you go in order to advance yourself as a WordPress developer? 
So I am in the same meetup groups. I'm also in a couple of really great Facebook groups. So one of the things about me is that I'm not afraid to be in a space where I don't understand the words that are being said. I know, you know, sometimes that can be really intimidating. (laughs) Um, And so when I started to weave and I went to my local weaving guild meeting for the first time, I, I, for the first year, the programs that they were giving, I, I didn't understand what they were talking about for at least a year and sometimes still. And that's true when I'm working on website stuff too. So one of the things that I realized very quickly is, and we all know this is true, no matter what it is that you participate in, you enter like chat groups or Facebook groups or where, whatever, and they people ask the same questions over and over and over. And a lot of times they're beginner questions and you're like, okay, I already understand that. I need something that's a little bit more. And there might not be something that's that little bit more. You may have to jump into the deep end. So that's one thing that I did. I joined some Facebook groups that continue to be well above my head and I lurk in them because I learn a lot that way about the consistent kinds of problems, sometimes even just knowing how to ask a question or what the right questions are to ask is very important when you're trying to figure out how to do stuff. And I learned those that kind of skill by being in environments where I, I really don't know what's going on. So that's one thing. LinkedIn Learning has, they have some WordPress, less WordPress than other kinds of more general skills. I haven't yet learned to code. I had started to take a Coursera course on coding last fall, and then that got a little derailed. We had a a death in our family, and I didn't continue taking that course, but I am going to get to that. So there's that resource there. And actually, WordPress, I think it's learn.wordpress.com. They've started in the last year to put out videos on how to learn how to develop with WordPress. And in addition, there's WordCamp events that are held all over the world and WordPress.tv has recordings from many of those. So there's presentations on all kinds of subjects on WordPress. These are great resources pointing us in the right direction. And I'm sorry, I've mentioned this offline, but even publicly, like, I'm sorry for your loss. Life sometimes throws, throws us like really tough things. And one question I always appreciate hearing the answer to is what are some of the obstacles you've overcome in your career successfully and how were you able to do that? So uh, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a weird answer, but I'm going to roll with it. Being perfectly honest and vulnerable. One of the most, the answer to this is most of what I've needed to overcome is in my own head. Mm, Um, Same. And specifically, for me, part of that is understanding what is my work. And this is what I think sounds strange, but let me give you a little background on why that is. First of all, I always, for a long time in my teens and 20s, I, my mindset was work is what I do to make the rest of my life possible. And I don't know that that's always nece- that's necessarily wrong. Work serves a different purpose for a lot of people. And just I never found anything that was my work that I felt was anything other than making my life the rest of my life possible. So I, it wasn't something where I wanted to be spending all my time and energy. And then that started to evolve for me. And I went to law school. So in 2000, I have not held traditional employment since 2007. 
That's when I went to law school. I graduated in 2010, which was the height of the pandemic. I mean, uh, the uh, not the pandemic. We're so used to saying that now. We're in an economic uh, downfall, and it was really hard to find a job. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and do a master's degree in law. So I did that. While I was doing my master's degree, the clinic where I went to law school called me and asked me if I would come back and serve as an attorney. I did that for a year. That was insane because... Well, I still had a semester left in my master's degree. I was driving two hours in one direction to do my master's degree, an hour in a different direction to work, and three hours in a third direction to where the clients actually were that we were representing. I worked 100-hour weeks. I slept 20 hours a week, almost all of that on the weekend. Like most days, I didn't sleep more than a couple of hours. And I was seriously burnt out. (laughs) You can't do that for very long. And so then... After that, like when I was leaving that job and I gave notice, I gave a four week notice and two weeks into it, we got the first of, we got two phone calls in one night that changed the entire course of my life. And the first one was my mother telling us that my grandfather's fiance had passed away and I didn't know her well, like that didn't have much personal impact on me, more worried about my grandfather and how he would process that. And then 45 minutes later, my mother-in-law called and said, that my father-in-law had had a stroke and he had um, been revived and they were on his the way to the hospital. Wow. Well, those two phone calls, that's, that was March of and 2012. in the same day. 45 minutes apart. Yeah. Those two phone calls, that was March 13, 2012. And from then through November of 2013, so in 19 months, we lost 14 family members. And... The, including my father-in-law, who passed away for about four weeks later. He had another stroke. And I was just leaving this job that ha- where I was, I was already emotionally and physically burnt out. And I was going to start my own law firm. And I ended up not doing that because, you know, my mother-in-law, this was so sudden my father-in-law passed. We weren't, he wasn't really ready for that. So I started flying from Florida to New Jersey every other week. And I did that through the end of 2012 and then at least once a month through all of 2013. Um, We didn't expect that to go on for so long. We were like, she needs support right now. And my husband's brother lived locally, but there was more that needed to be done. So I have this space in my life right now that I am sort of in a transition and I have time and we can afford for me to do this. So I'm going to like dramatically support her. And it just went on for a lot longer than we anticipated um, because people kept dying. She lost three of her sisters too. Um, And one of those died in her home was, you know, staying with her while she was sick. So I was already, I started that emotionally and physically burnt out. Then there's all of this, which is a whole nother pile of emotional labor. And there was so many other things that happened in there. We like could talk for this whole podcast about that, but we won't. So by 2014, like I, I spent the first six months of 2014 sitting on my couch, kind of staring at the TV. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it's in, it's insane. When you first told me about this privately when we were on a, a personal phone call, like it's unbelievable. It's it's just who goes through this? Like, it's insane. Yeah. And, you know, I told you before I started to crochet in 2013 and spin and weave in 2014. I started my blog in 2013. Those were my coping mechanisms. This was I need to do something that's positive and creative because I I it was my life raft. Right. This, so that is how I started doing those things. Um, 
And at that point, you know, now we're into 2014. I hadn't had a job for seven years because actually, you know, the work that I did for the clinic, almost all of that was pro bono. So even though I was working ridiculous hours, it wasn't something I was getting paid for. And so I just, I was like lost, like, what am I supposed to do now? And so I was a stay at home. I stayed home for a while. And this is why I had the space to learn what I did during that time to learn more about both the fiber stuff and the tech stuff. I had the space and that was like, my personal recovery process. (laughs) And so that's what I did. And then, and we were able to do that because my husband was employed. We had income. It was fine. And then in 2018, he was laid off and it was perfect timing. His mother was sick and he was able to spend the last three months of her life with her at her home. Um, And we got through so all of that, and we were like, so now what? And he said, my husband said to me, he's a software developer. That's what he's done for his career. And he said, I want to build an app, but I, I've never built an app before. I don't really know what I want to build. And I said, well, I have about six ideas, all of them fiber arts related. So here's what they are. And we decided to start with Inkle Designer 123 because it was the easiest of the ideas to implement. We thought it it turned out to be a learning experience for us. So this was all long sort of background to get to the question of what is my work? Because where I found myself was, first of all, I'm working out of my house. Second of all, I'm working with my husband. Third of all, the subject that we're working on is what has been a hobby for me. And so trying to wrap my mind around what is the job that I'm doing? What is the hobby? You know, what is the personal? And I feel like that started to happen for me a year or so before the pandemic. And I think a lot of people found themselves in that same mind space in the pandemic as we were all working from home and all trying to figure out those lines. But because I had had the additional experience of not having traditional employment for so long, trying to figure out the who, what, when, where, why of the tasks that are my work versus what isn't my work, it was really a struggle for me. And I'm, you know, it's something I think I'm still working on, although I've come a much Uh, much further along that path of not getting stuck on what is, what am I supposed to be doing right now? (laughs) What is is my actual job? I mean, it's just, (laughs) it just goes to show how much we can always change the course of our life and, and allow space for time that we just really need to like turn off and be down and, and restore and heal. When you launch this app, I mean, that is just so cool. What was the process and how did you learn how to do that? You said your your husband was like, I don't know how to do this thing. How did you both learn? And then what came of it? Like, what was the performance? Did it meet your expectations? So he, although he had never built an app before, he's he had built enterprise level software and he so and he knows he's been coding. He can code in multiple languages. He's been coding for 30 years. So he had to learn. We built it on iOS and we decided to build it in Swift. So he had to learn Swift and the parameters of developing in Apple's ecosystem. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, we, we, we've been using an agile development process. He had to teach me that, although I had, I had some familiarity with it because, you know, he tells me over the years, we're doing this sprint or whatever, but I had never 
participated in implementing that, right? So I had to learn from him the that process. And so he he writes the code. I'm the project manager and subject matter expert. We had to learn how to talk to each other about the things that we were expert about because both of us talk about those things a lot to people who are also experts in them. But now he's having to talk to me about software development process and what he needs from me as project manager, uh, what his expectations are, what he's used to, all of things which are outside of my experience. And I'm having to explain to him like the physics of weaving, why you make different creative decisions when you're weaving, because we have to like translate the weaving into code. And so that it ha- was like probably communication was like a huge thing that we learned through this and process. It's really inspiring that you dove in and you started to create a new life. What's next? Like where are things right now and where would you like to go? So what's next? We so I the the app was just released in February. I met you because I'm in your podcast cohort. Podcasting has been something I've wanted to do for at least seven years. So now I'm working on that. You said you bought your equipment. You have really beautiful equipment. And you said you bought it like several years ago. It's so cool. 2015. You know, I started listening to podcasts when when I was flying back and forth to New Jersey all the time. Like I was in such um, an emotional state. I needed to not deal with people. And when you're on the planes that much and you're going, you're all these strangers, people are sitting next to you. Maybe they want to talk to you. So I like put headphones in as a defense mechanism so I didn't have to deal with people because I couldn't take in anymore. And that's when I started listening to podcasts. And I have learned so much through podcasts. You know, to answer your earlier question, podcast is another way that I've learned about tech. Um, There's lots, there's just so many great uh, tech podcasts and some that are WordPress specific. I just have learned so much and it's just so exciting to me. Um, the possibilities of podcasting. So yeah, I've wanted to do that since 2015. I'm also currently building a site that's going to be the next thing that we're working on. It's called Fiberista U, just the letter U. Nice, Fiberista. Nice name. (laughs) Thank you, fiberistau.com. It's not public yet. I am still building it, um, but it's going to be But you own all the domains and everything, right? Oh, yes. I own at least 15 or 20 domains that are relevant variant spellings and different top-level domains, yes. (laughs) I would be like, like, let's scratch that from the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. I Fiberista U with the letter U, Fiberista U, Y-O-U, Fiberista U-E-W-E, Fiber spelled F-I-B-E-R, Perfect. Fiber spelled F-I-B-R-E. You protected. Yes. <laughs> Bought everything I could. Um, some of them weren't available, but um, all, all of the dot-coms were. Um, anyway, so yes, I, I own a lot. I own the, the domains. Tried to cover the world with that. And so we're going to turn that, that's going to be like the basis of what what we build next because we're going to continue to build in fiber and there'll be some community stuff there. We have other long-term plans that we're not talking about yet. That is going to be the new home. So that's what I'm, I'm working on right now is building out that website. That's awesome. Um, Karen, how can people connect with you? The best way to connect with us is probably email karen at greenlandcreative.com or you can always find me on facebook or inkledesigner123.com karen you ready for the quick fire round sure okay quick fire 
book that you recommend we read? Oh, okay. First of all, um, I can't do just one. I read okay. a lot. I read so much. I love to read. It's one of my other big hobbies. And last year I started listening to audiobooks, which completely changed my reading life. I finished more than 300 books last year. Whoa. I don't even know how you made time for all of that. That's amazing. Okay. So I listen to audio at 3x speed. Oh, wow. I, I trained myself over the years with podcasts because there's just so much good content and I had serious FOMO about <laughs> it. And so I trained myself to listen at speed, just bumping it up a quarter at a time. 3X is about the fastest most apps will go. So that's how I, I listen to so much audio, um, both podcasts and books, is because I listen to it at 3X. And actually, you know, a lot of people are surprised by that. They're like, I can't listen to audio because my mind wanders. And what I found is that I listen at speed means that I listen and retain more. I think it's because it makes my brain focus more. My Uh, brain has to do more work in order to understand it. And so as a result, I actually hear and retain more of it than I did when I listened at 1x. That makes sense. There's this great app called Speechify. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I haven't used it. It trains people to be able to listen to things a lot faster. It's really great. They have a Chrome app and an actual app. And it, and you could turn anything that you find into audio. So if you're reading a blog, anything you want, it will make it audio. And then you could listen to it a lot faster. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. So to answer your question, I'm going to give you three books. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, the first is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh my gosh, so many guests have been recommending that lately. I feel like it's a sign. I own it and I haven't read it. Oh, well, first of all, I am currently rereading it. Um, I ha- I'm part of a book club that we read books that are about the creative process in order to improve ourselves as creators. And so we're currently reading this book. So, But I love Elizabeth Gilbert. It's an easy-to-read book. She's a great storyteller. She's really great at blending in her points with with stories that she's telling. On audio, it's only five or six hours long. So it's not long on audio. Sometimes when I'm not when I'm having a day where I need a little pick me up, I will listen to that because I can listen to it in two hours at three X. And I just there's just some days I need her to live in my head. She has such a terrific perspective on creativity and what it means to be a creative person. And she has so much gentleness and grace with herself and with you as a creator. I just, I really, there's just days I need her to live in my head. Um, So Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, Next one is Big Enough by Lee LaFever. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. He and his wife, Sashi, are one of the first Uh, companies that ever did explainer videos. And now their business is called Common Craft and they have explainer videos. Um, It's a service that you can subscribe to and you can get explainer videos. And they also have little cutout kind of uh, things that you can use to create your own content, like different figures. And it's good? I have not used those. Uh, The book though, Big Enough, is about their it's written by Lee, the husband, about the evolution of their company um, and what they have gone through in the past few years. And I feel like in tech, a lot of times we're hearing about a particular kind of tech company where it's venture capital. We start with a fairly big like group of employees relatively and 
this is a totally different perspective. What does it mean to be big enough to live the kind of life that you want to live? What kind of income do you need? Do you want a company that has employees or do you, you know, and they've evolved over various a time like they used to run an agency, a creative agency where they had multiple employees and they decided this is not the life we want to live. We want a company that's just big enough so that we ha- our needs are met. We have a little bit extra. We we are able to pursue the other things that are important to us. And I feel like that conversation gets lost a lot of times in just because we can, should we? Right. That's that's the question that he's asking. And he talks about how their thinking evolved on that. So I think it's a really fantastic book to help you think about direction and what is it that I really want. When I was building my action sports company and I wanted to be super huge and, you know, that's that's all the companies that I admired. And I went to the Google campus and I was walking around and I'm like, man, this is a lot of responsibility for two guys. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I want this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's really important to think about what is the lifestyle that you want and then build a company to match that lifestyle. And the last book I'm going to suggest is The House by the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. And this is a novel. It probably classifies as a young adult novel fantasy genre. And it came out. I can't remember if it was early to 2021 or late 2020, So, but it came out during the pandemic. And it is just like the most beautiful and it, it's about ha- found family and accepting yourself. And I feel like there's so much in the fantasy. I read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy and I love it, but there's so much that's apocalyptic and just has a really negative view of the world. And this is not that. It's like a house sitting in the sun right by the edge of the sea and people who are all a little quirky and who become found family to each other and love each other. And it's just like, it was like the most soothing thing to read during the pandemic. It was something I took out of the library and I was like, this book needs to live in my house. So I bought a physical copy of it after I read it. I've read it multiple times and I just, yes, it's, it's like, just makes me so happy. <laughs> love. All right. Ready? The, the follow-up quick fires. Yes. Who is a must follow? A podcast, a YouTube channel, a person on Twitter, an Instagrammer. Mm. Who is a must follow? Austin Kleon. Oh, show uh, your work. Yeah. Yeah. Steal Great like an artist, author. show your work, keep going. I am on his newsletter list. His Fridays, he gives, he sends 10 resources every Friday and they're almost always just like amazing, blow your mind. Whoa, I need um, to sign up for this. Oh, yeah. He has a book club now, too, that I haven't joined yet. But he, if somebody's looking for a book club to read creative books, he does that, um, too. That's fairly new. I'm also going to give a textile um, thing here. And I, I, museum.gwu.edu, it's the website for the Textile Museum in Washington, D.C. And I ha- didn't get into this in this conversation yet, There is a direct link between textiles and the technology that we all use every day, and that is punch cards. The punch card system that developed, that was used to create the early computers came directly from looms, from weaving looms, and had been in use in weaving for for like at least 100 years before it was adapted into computers. And so 
textiles drove the industrial revolution and created the world that we live in now. And so there is that direct link. And so I feel like if you're working in tech, learning a little something about textiles is a cool thing to do. And the Textile Museum has they have great programs. They have video up there. They have all kinds of scholarly stuff. It's a it's a good place to start. Awesome. And last question, what is your favorite mobile app or website? What's a tool that you like just love? Uh, I know how you feel about this, but I'm going to say Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Zoom, like the last two years, I feel like it's been really interesting to me to see what, how people have reacted to the last two years. There are people who have just fought the world as it is and and just they can't they don't want to have anything to do with anything there's people who are indifferent and have been like okay these tools are here and i'll use them for now but i can't wait to get back to how life was before and then there's people who have really thrived and i'm going to put myself in that category i feel like because so much has been on zoom and has been accessible like the connections that i have made in my own life and the ways in which i have been able to learn and grow i feel like opens the up to me because of how much was available during the pandemic and almost all of that is on zoom wow yeah I'm not, I'm just not big on being on video or. Uh, no, I, I get that. <laughs> I totally do. My camera's not always on. <laughs> no, I feel but. you though. I feel like I'm actually thriving in the world of Zoom, but I'm also excited for it to move beyond that. I'm like both, <laughs> like yes. a chameleon. It's like whatever I need to be right now. Right. No, and I do feel like we need a balance, right? That we can't live in this world forever. But I think, I think it has pushed us forward maybe a decade. I feel like this is a place that we were going anyways. And that's that's maybe a positive thing from the pandemic is that it showed us that things that we were trying to pretend are hard are not hard. It's not hard to do virtual co-working. It's not hard to be distributed as a workplace. It's not hard to meet some of the meet needs of people who who are disabled. You know, some of the stuff that we try to pretend is hard, they're barriers that we created in our minds and they needed to go away anyways. And I feel like that the pandemic has opened our eyes and pushed us forward in forward many steps beyond where we would have if this hadn't happened. Karen, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Was thank there anything you. you wanted to share that we didn't share? I don't think so. This was so much fun. Thank you, Esprit. Kara, was this your first podcast? I don't even know. Uh, this is the as a second, guest. As a guest, this is my the second podcast I was on. Nice. One of my friends interviewed me. Um, nice. A couple of weeks ago, when her when the app came out. Awesome! Yay! Well, I'm so excited that we've been able to have you on the show to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. This is Karen Green, co-founder of Greenland Creative, where we blend old tech and new tech, most recently in our iOS app, Inkle Designer 123. We are based in Orlando, Florida, and you're listening to Women in Tech.
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.